Tobias Voot is a Dutch entrepreneur and founder of the Tobian Language School. He started the business in 2020. It's an online school, a teaching school where you can learn lots of different languages. Um, today, he's going to share some hints and tips and, and talk about the challenges that he overcame and the challenges that he still faces as he's growing and scaling the business. I think there's lots of great um, information hints and tips in this conversation that will help people, especially people who are unsure about whether or not now is the right time to, to go and, and, and do an online business and to branch out into your own um, into your own domain and do your own thing. Tobias has a lot of interesting ideas about marketing, about how you scale, about how you grow. So enjoy. I think it's quite interesting. Um, if I haven't earned your subscription already, hopefully this one will do it. Uh, just hit the little subscribe button at the um, at the top of the page. It helps the channel grow. And if I have, if you are a subscriber, thank you so much for watching and enjoy the video. Thank you. How are you doing? Good afternoon, Connor. Great. Thank you very much. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for joining me. So let's get straight into it. Um, you're based in the Netherlands, right? You're a Dutch entrepreneur. Um, yes. Where did where did you grow up in the Netherlands? Uh, I grew up in a small town near uh, Groningen. Yeah, Groningen is like a student city in the north of, uh, of the Netherlands, and I grew up like ten kilometers uh, from there in a small town. How would you describe your childhood? Yeah, well, amazing, safe, uh, fun, safe, great family, friends. Okay. Playing football, going to school, make fun. Yeah, that was my youth. I would say. And. Was there anything in your youth, uh, and say going through the education system, that made you consider becoming an entrepreneur or solopreneur or doing your own thing? Mm, not really. Well, I always was quite creative. I think I, I had many different ideas. Yeah. For example, I started like a football museum when I was uh, eight or nine years old. And everyone in the town, I invited them to, to visit the museum. And they had to pay an entrance fee. And that's where maybe that was like a small start already, as you could see. Yeah. I think that's pretty uh, relevant, right? So yeah. the question is, the question is, is an entrepreneur born or made, right? So clearly if an eight-year-old is building a football museum, um, there's something in the DNA. Um, yeah. So... You founded an online language school in 2020 at the yeah, height of, of COVID. What was yeah. your what was your thinking there? Uh, yeah, it was actually right before uh, COVID. I was in in uh, Portugal actually in Faro on the terrace. I was translating something from English to Portuguese or the other way around. And then someone told me like, "Hey, maybe you should uh, you should use it. Maybe you should do something with this." You know. So that's when it started basically. And then I. But I want to teach on my own. So I started teaching some students. But uh, yeah, after a while, I thought maybe uh, some people were asking for other languages as well. I asked friends to join. And that's where it started uh, growing. Um, so when you say you asked friends to join, were you paying them? Yeah, I was paying them. Yeah, yeah. So people I knew from traveling, from doing voluntary work abroad, from exchange programs. Etc. I asked them to if they were interested in teaching online as well. Yeah, and that's why many many people uh, joined as a teacher. And did you do um, 
in the beginning, did you write up a business plan? Was it a, did you, did you look for funding or did it just grow organically? Uh, I didn't look for, well, I didn't need any funding actually. I just bought a laptop and I got some study materials from the internet. I created some study materials myself and that's, uh, that's how I started. Yeah. And were you tempted when you finished the masters? So you're in the masters in Portugal at the time. Were you tempted to go and just get a job? Yeah, that was my plan. Actually, right before I started, I was already checking some different jobs. So that was like January 2020 or something. Yeah. Because I knew I was about to finish the masters, you know. So I was, uh, yeah, looking about the different uh, opportunities, etc. But then this uh, this came up. So eventually, I didn't uh, like I didn't have to uh, search for anything else. And how did uh? So you started the, the the school. How did um how did COVID influence your thinking? Were you was it bit, was it a problem for you at the time? Was COVID impacting the business in any way when you started it, or was it helping? Uh, it? Yeah, I think it was helping it. Yeah, definitely because it was. Uh, yeah, you remember twenty twenty. Yeah. Uh, let's say February, March, April twenty twenty. You know there were no people uh, in some countries. They were not even. Uh, it was not even they were not even able to leave the house, for example, due to local regulations. So yeah. it helped, yeah, because people were looking to to do something at home, to learn languages in the evening, for example. Yeah, very interesting. And so, how did you go about building a customer base? Right. So, wh how did you start scaling it? Well, that also started with just uh, yeah asking around, also some marketing uh, on Facebook and Instagram, for example. But mostly, uh, how do you call it? By word of mouth. Yeah. By word of mouth. So, if you had to point to to one, the most successful marketing strategy outside of word of mouth, what 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 would that be? Uh, yeah, I would say social media. Social media. Anyone? Yeah, yeah. Facebook, Instagram. Yeah, definitely Facebook, Instagram. Well, nowadays Facebook is not that popular anymore, but it's already three years ago. Mm. And I still remember, well, yeah, three years, Facebook was bigger three years ago. Currently, I would say Instagram, definitely, with uh, videos, reels, everything. It's quite easy to reach uh, many people, I would say. Yeah. So Instagram reels, right? So, yeah. and you're putting up Tobian Language School, um, and you're, how did you choose on the target audience? Can you remember? Uh, yeah. It was also a bit difficult because first I was thinking about the, like South America as a target group, mm. but eventually that was quite uh, difficult with the currencies there. For example, for them mm. it's uh, it's quite expensive to pay in euros. And then like the expat thing came up. I was talking with a friend and he told me like, hey, maybe you should focus on expats in Europe. That might be a nice target group. So that was like the first target group I would say, expats in Western Europe. So expats from South America? No, expats from everywhere, actually. From India, from Africa. So for example, people, uh, for example, someone from India who's working in uh, IT mm. in Amsterdam who wants to learn Dutch lessons. Uh, someone from Ra Romania living in Paris wants to learn French. Yeah. So if, if I, it, it sounds like it was an organic almost. Um, I've, I've been looking at the website online. It's fantastic. And I've been watching it grow, right? 
And it sounds like it was more organic than a deliberate planned uh, move. Like you didn't do a case analysis and say, okay, we need more, a business case and say, we need more English language online schools. You just grew organically from a, from a small base. Would I be right in assuming that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. You're right. Yeah. Very interesting. Um, and what was the biggest challenge you faced in the early days? Uh, yeah, well, in the beginning, like uh, people always ask about reference, ref, uh, references, you know, reviews, etc. Yeah. And in the beginning, it's not that well known. There may be uh, 10 reviews on Google. Uh, so they, they, they worry about the credibility of the school. That's a bit uh, difficult at the beginning. How did you, now over- it's after, sorry? how did you overcome that? Yeah. Sometimes I had a call with them or I, I told them like, Hey, let's, uh, you can try this teacher in case it doesn't work out. Uh, you can try another teacher. We are flexible, etc. cetera. Yeah. And, um, Okay, so people will sign up for individual lessons online with teachers or they'll book, say, 10 or 15 lessons over a six or seven month period or something like that. Is it or is it a six week period? Yeah, yeah. Let's say, uh, yeah, we mostly work with packages of 20 lessons. So, yeah. uh, for example, two lessons per week. So in 10 weeks or something, they cover like uh, one level. Yeah. What qualifications do you require from teachers? Uh, well, at first, uh, yeah, experience, mm. that's the most important uh, one, like uh, like a few years of teaching experience. And then like uh, certification is like a big plus, but it's not necessary. Yeah. And then, so, okay, so people go online, they buy online, um, and they do one-on-one with a teacher in a classroom environment. Um, where are your customers, where are most of your customers coming from now? Are they South America, India? Where are they from? Uh, mostly, I would say most of them are living in the Netherlands. Okay. They're living in Western Europe, but they are from everywhere around the world. Yeah. Um, Tobian, the name Tobian for the school, where did that come from? <laughs> yeah, well, it's a nice story. I found like uh, it's an it's in language, actually. So there was this in the country Palau, which is like a few hundred kilometers from the Philippines. It's a country called Palau, and there's a small island called Toby Island. And there are like 30, 40, 50 people, something like that, who speak the language Tobayan. So uh, that's where the name uh, comes from, actually. And it also it means something like brave or intellectual. So perfectly for our language school. Yeah. And... Um... I noticed that uh, culture is very important to you. How would you describe the culture at the school? Uh, I would say, uh, yeah, in uh, flexible, informal. So I'm in direct contact with all the, uh, all the teachers, with all the students as well. Uh, direct, fast contact. Yeah, I think that's the most uh, most important thing. Personal approach. So you will talk, you will do an interview or a call with every student that is considering? Uh, not with all the students, with the teachers, yeah. Teachers. Normally, normally we have a chat, yeah. Yeah. But and when the students come, they they uh, they start, uh, like I link them up with the teachers, and that's how they start, yeah. Okay. Um, and in terms of funding, did you ever consider... Because funding can obviously help you scale. Did you yeah. consider 
funding or did you look at options there or did you just go, okay, we're just going to bootstrap this? Uh, yeah, currently I'm actually thinking about it to try to find some funding to, uh, yeah, to scale it a bit. For example, to implement like an uh, e-learning, uh, e-learning platform. Yeah, it would be more professional for the, for the future. And what does what would the e-learning platform entail? I mean, there are big players in the market, right? I'm thinking like there are yeah. huge players like Udemy. Yeah. Right. Um, I don't know if they do English or, or language teaching, but how do you compete with companies like that? Uh, yeah, I would say uh, price-wise. Price. Like we are, uh, yeah, we are cheaper than uh, than all the the big schools. I would say, yeah. Okay. So for for yeah, I think we are one of the cheapest schools. Okay, very good. Yeah. Um, the main advantage. And how did you, when you were starting out the business, right? How did you um, cope psychologically, right? So you're a lot of people will dream about starting a business. They'll think about, um, you know, doing their own thing. But ninety percent of people don't. You went and did it. Was there any insecurities that you had to overcome? Like, what what, what was your thinking there? Like, did you just say, you know what? I'm not going to go and do this uh, nine to five job type stuff. I'm going to go and do this myself. Yeah. Yeah. Well, not really, actually. I always felt like after my mom, I was, uh, yeah, try to find a job, work somewhere for a few years and then start something. That was kind of always in my mind. But okay. then during my master's, this came up already. It was a great opportunity, I think. And then afterwards, yeah, I really liked the, the flexibility, you know? Yeah. I was able to work online from different places. Uh, yeah, you can uh, work whenever you want, your own schedules, etc. So that's uh, why I continued. Yeah. So in many ways, you're when you're an entrepreneur, you're almost designing your own life, right? Yeah, yeah. Because there's nobody, there's no authority figure over you. You work when mm -hmm. you want. How many hours a day do you work? Oh, it really depends. Like last year, I've been traveling quite a lot. And uh, yeah, there's sometimes difficult to combine it. Because uh, yeah, there are other uh, things to do as well, you know. I'm around with friends or something, or are we going to go for some sightseeing or the the internet is not working properly etc but yeah let's say maybe uh during traveling 20 hours a week 20 hours yeah. traveling 20 hours a week yeah i would think so yeah. and how so and how many hours a week would you be would you be working like what do you mean like last uh yeah 20 hours a week right okay 20 hours a week is not bad right that's that's yeah. that's a that's a good life yeah. right um and would you work at the weekends? No, not really. No, Saturday I would do some emails, some uh, few calls maybe, but no, not that much. No. Okay. Um, what what's the best thing about being an entrepreneur? Um. Yeah, I would say. Uh, yeah, the freedom for sure. So, uh, like in my case, uh, online entrepreneur. Like you can choose your location where you want to work from. That's uh, that's great. I would say. Another thing is like yeah, the creativity. You know, there are, every day there new ideas comes to mind, uh, and that's how you can uh, can grow. Also, dream the dreaming part. You know, 
Like you can always dream about becoming bigger and bigger, which is nice as well. Like you don't know, uh, you're not sure, you know, how how it's going to be in one or two or three years. I think when you work at a company, you kind of know what's going to happen for the next years, right? Yeah. But as an entrepreneur, it's not sure. And how do you cope with how do you cope with that? Yeah, I kind of like that part, I would say, yeah. So you have a tolerance for uncertainty. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And insecurity. Um, and that's probably the thing that holds a lot of people back. Right? Yeah, yeah. Um, also that you know, they say um a salary is um the drug an employer gives somebody to forget their dreams, right? So mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. It is an, it is a kind of addiction. Um, and people become um they they become used to it. Um, what motivates you? Uh yeah, I would say people progress. For example, I see uh for I mean that's for some teachers, they started uh, one year or a few months ago and they already have uh, a couple of students and they really like what they're doing. I really see them growing, you know. And the same about the students. We've had some students they started uh, for example two years ago with basic level friends and now they have friends B two level, for example. That's fantastic. That's yeah. great, right? They speak French fluently, mostly. Well, they've been uh, practicing during the day as well, but mostly because of our le- our lessons. So that's, uh, so that's the great. F- so. so the fulfillment is is from watching people grow and develop. That's, yeah. That's where it comes from. Um, yeah. And so when you're talking about scaling, right? So obviously you're, you're an ambitious guy. Have you got a strategy or an idea around scaling? Does do you have to go and look to secure funding, or is there a model or a route or something you can do to help you scale? Have you thought about the strategy there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I think the most important thing is like to have the the e learning system, hmm. and afterwards, uh, yeah, we like to start working with uh, companies, so small, medium sized companies, and provide uh, the lessons for them. Very good. So for yeah. example, uh, yeah, I don't know, uh, small, medium sized company in Amsterdam with 10 employees, and then we provide the Dutch lessons for them, for example. Okay. Yeah. Would you would you do that in-house? Would you go into the company or would you do it online? I think, uh, yeah, initially online, yeah. Yeah. Um, so you're moving from the the consumer to the professional and that's, yeah, that's the plan. Yeah. Um, and that would involve, that would involve, um, a lot of outreach. Um, are you looking at starting other new businesses? Or are you going to keep, keep pushing to buy in and keep going and keep scaling? Like, is it, um, you said you have lots and lots of ideas springing to mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, are you going to continue with this and add other businesses to the portfolio? Uh, I think for now it's going to be this, but maybe in a few years I'm thinking about something. I don't know yet what exactly, but maybe something with traveling or tourism. Mm-hmm. Add something like that as well. Like I've I've met many people over the world, you know, during the last years, and I'm thinking about using these uh, these contacts in the future. I've noticed that you're doing a huge amount of travel, right? I think you've probably how many countries have you been to? I've been to 105 countries. 
105. And there's, what yeah. is there, 187 in total or something <laughs> like that? Yeah, 197, I think. Um, yeah. And what have you learned from, I mean, you've been into in, to some interesting places. At least your Instagram is telling us that you've been to some. Were you in Afghanistan this year or was it last year? Yeah, like one and a half year ago, yeah. In Afghanistan. What brought you to Afghanistan? Yeah, well, a bit of a long story. We were planning to drive to Mongolia. We bought a car with some friends. Yeah. But then the car got stuck in Georgia. So we left our car in Georgia. Then we took the plane to Kazakhstan. We traveled to Kazakhstan, Kyrgyzstan, and Uzbekistan. And then we were in Uzbekistan in a city near the border of Afghanistan. And I, I was talking with my friends and we were like joking, like, hey, let's go to the border just for fun, you know, probably it's closed or COVID times. But then we could enter uh, the country. There was even a security advisor from the United Nations. We met him at the border. We asked him about the safety. He told us, yeah, it should be fine. Just guys, buy some long pants and then uh, you're free to go. Why the long so then, pants? Uh, yeah, because of the local culture, you know, you need to have long pants. That was the only issue. Then we we left our car at the border. We took a taxi to a city, Mazari Sharif, which is like the second city in Afghanistan. We had a cup of tea with the Taliban there. We stayed for one night, and then we went back to uh, Uzbekistan. How did you meet the Taliban? Night. Well, we uh, entered our hotel, and there was a guy, an Afghani guy living in London, and he invited us, uh, he wanted to show us around the city to see the Blue Mosque. And then outside the Blue Mosque, there were a couple of guys with an AK-47 drinking tea. And then the guy uh, asked us, hey, you want to have tea with them? And we were like, mm, we're not sure. He said, yeah, come on, it's fine. <laughs> and then we joined them for uh, tea. Uh, it was a great experience. And uh, did they speak English? I think one spoke English and one spoke German or something. But we had the guy from the hotel, so he was translating. And what did you talk about? Yeah, they asked us about the, the politics in Afghanistan. Uh, what we thought, we said, yeah, we like the current, uh, the current regime is fine, etc. <laughs> and they asked us about the drinking alcohol, etc. In Holland, yeah, they it was about... a great experience. Sorry, they asked you about alcohol. Yeah, about alcohol, about the religion, etc. Yeah, they were also joking a bit because they knew yeah. we are from Holland, you know. But they they told us, wow, we got a lot of respect for you guys coming here during this period. We haven't seen any tourists here, so uh, yeah, they kind of respected us. It was a great experience. Um, yeah, that's and the AK forty sevens weren't used at any point, were they? No, no, no. Luckily, <laughs> um, they weren't. Were you just uh, being a tourist, or were you looking for teachers for the language school? Oh no, there was just uh, tourism. Yeah, and um, tell me where else uh, outside of. Afghanistan have you been that you would say was a little bit did you ever get into any scrapes or any difficult situations in in your travels or was it all sunshine and roses no it has been a bit complicated sometimes yeah we've been to uh Iraq for example also mm. and we had for we had to fly to the capital to get our visa then we had to take a taxi back to the border where we left our car, then we could enter the country, for example. Yeah, some I would say some border crossings were a bit, uh, might take like six or seven hours sometimes. 
Wow. Yeah, that's a bit difficult. A lot of people would just go to the beach, you know? A lot of people yeah, yeah, go yeah. to the Canaries, but you go to Baghdad. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> crazy. No, it was a great experience, yeah. Best experience um, in these countries, you know, the hospitality, etc. It was amazing, yeah. Oh, do you find the in these countries the hospitality is um they're very welcoming and, and they are very friendly and they're very open, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um what's the hardest thing about being an entrepreneur? Um yeah, I would say uh yeah, discipline is difficult sometimes. How so? For example, you're planning to to start early in the morning, but then uh, yeah, you end up uh, starting later. You need to plan uh, your own administration. Like I have an accountant, you know, but still I have to do uh, some things myself. Um, yeah, need to be need need to be able to cope with the freedom. Yeah, that's the most important. Yeah. Um, and when you say cope with the freedom, um, so you need to put timetables and discipline in place, right? Um, and not, yeah, yeah, you need to put in the time. Um, anything else? Yeah, and also I would say to be able to cope with, um, yeah, like, uh, for example, when, when the business is not going that well, you know, when it's like, uh, what's the word, decreasing or... When the business like decreasing, for example, for me, like during the, the first summer, it really it decreases, you know, the amount of, of customers. And I was a bit like, well, I, I hope after it's going to be better after summer, you know. Mm. And eventually it it, uh, it was better after summer. But these kind of things, yeah, you know, I, I'm, at the end, the, the beginning of the month, you're not sure what's going to be your income. There are uncertainties, you know, so it, it kind of makes sense that most people are not uh, choosing uh, the entrepreneur life, I would say. Yeah. Um, and but obviously there are measures you can take. So when you're planning for the future month by month, do you set yourself targets in terms of customers? Yeah, I do for this year. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and so the strategy for so for the marketing strategy and growing the customer base, your recommendation would be online, would be social media, Facebook, instant, all that kind of stuff. Is yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, definitely. And the SEO, of course, is very important. Like the search, uh, what's it called? Search engine optimization. Optimization, yeah. The ranking in Google is very important nowadays. Yeah. So also writing blogs, uh, text on your website, etc. Review this reviews it can all boost your website, which is very important. Maybe even more important uh, for some companies, it's more important than Google Ads, for example. Yeah. Yeah. So of course, we, the, what we what we don't know about the Google algorithms, I mean, that's a, it's a jealously guarded secret. But we do know they do look for fresh content and they prioritize fresh content. Mm -hmm. Um. So if you're producing blogs, if you're writing articles, um. Yeah, you will get prioritization. Um, in terms of your ranking, right? So somebody goes on to Google, they go English, maybe say we say Dutch language teacher, 
they're based in the Netherlands. How do you, what would your strategy be to improve your ranking on Google? Apart um, from the online stuff, writing blogs and stuff. Apart from that. Hmm. Um, Have you thought about yeah, it? No, apart from that, I don't know. I love, for example, link building also is an, it's an important thing, which is also online. Yeah, yeah. yeah. LinkedIn. Um, okay, so what's what's next for Tobias Voot? What does the future hold? Oh, yeah, well, as I told you first, uh, yeah, I hope to the next year to implement the What's it called? E-learning platform. The e-learning platform for next year, yeah. Going to slow down the travels a bit this year. Like last year was a great, amazing, probably travel-wise, uh, the best life, the best year of my life. But this year, want to calm down a bit and focus a bit more on uh, the business. And uh, yeah, so that's it, yeah. And then hopefully in like two years, three years, start with uh, with a second project. Um, and, and you're thinking travel and hospitality, something in that field, are you? I mean, yeah. with all of your hundred, you've been to 105 countries that acquired knowledge must be useful in some capacity, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then, okay. So you, you may consider a second project. Um, where do you think the, the language school will go? It'll, your, your plan is to scale it. Um, how big do you think it could grow? Um, yeah, good question. Yeah, well, I think if, for example, if we uh change to like a kind of a platform one day, then it can uh it can massively massively grow. I don't know if you know Italki, for example. Know who? Italki, it's like in uh like an online platform where you can find teachers, for example, they have like, I think more than 10,000, uh, more than 10,000 teachers. Wow. Uh, so even more customers, yeah. but it's completely, they just have to provide the platform, you know, there's no, uh, no service. For example, we provide uh, study materials. We provide an exam. We provide a certificate, uh, personal support, et cetera, uh, personal study plan. We are still like more like a school. They are completely different. They are they are like a platform. So I'm okay. thinking about how we can, uh, yeah, like which what's the, what's the best strategy for us? You know, I mean the platform thing is nice and it's great to scale, but I still also like the personal thing we currently have with the certifications, with the excellence, etc., with our own social media channels, those things. Yeah. And what do you think the uh, the customers want? So I'm trying to figure out, okay, so Italki has 10,000 teachers, right? Mm -hmm. But it doesn't provide all of that stuff. I would have thought if I if I go to a language school, um, I want credentials at the end and I pay for my 10-week course. I want some kind of credential certification. I obviously want to learn as well. And I, I, I'm going to need the support, the online mm -hmm. support. Um what, when you were studying that platform and looking at it, what do you think is their competitive advantage? What are they very good at? Uh, well, they have many, uh, like huge amount of uh, teachers. Mm. 
So there's a lot of choice. So for example, if you want to learn Swahili, they have 200 Swahili teachers, for example. Mm. They all have a short video of each teacher on their website, which is nice. You can mm. see the reviews per teacher, mm. which is nice. And of course, price-wise, like you can take the price you want. If you want to find a teacher for uh, five euros per hour, mm. or eight euros per hour, you can find it on uh, on their website. That's really interesting. Um, yeah. yeah. So, okay, but why would you choose a teacher for 20 euros an hour if you can get one for five euros an hour? I mean, it doesn't, uh, yeah. Yeah, well, it's the credential thing, I would say. Uh, yeah. And um, it's cool. There's kind of always an option to change teacher or there's someone extra to communicate with. So you're kind of sure you're going to end up with the right teacher. Yeah. But for example, at Italki, uh, yeah, you're not sure. What would your advice be to people? Say, if somebody's in a nine to five job today and they have mm -hmm. an idea for a business, maybe it's an online business, maybe it's doing something, who knows? What would your advice be to that person in terms of being an entrepreneur and starting out? Mm. Uh, I would say, yeah. Uh... Yeah, think about what you like to do, the things you you really like to do. So, for example, they can, uh, yeah, look at their current job, tasks they like, tasks they don't like. And another thing is look at what you're good at, you know. That's the most important thing, maybe. And when you were thinking um, um, about the, the online language school, what was it that you were particularly good at that you thought would fit the online language school? Uh, yeah, well, in the beginning was just, uh, I just wanted to teach uh, on my own, you know, and I wasn't really a teacher. Mm. I wasn't really good at the teacher. But then after a few months, I thought like, hey, maybe I should just bring people together, you know, mm -hmm. to learn languages. Yeah. So from in my case, I think it was, uh, yeah, bringing connections bringing people together yeah yeah it was my main challenges i would say no. can you think of any mistakes you made in the first 12 months right mm -hmm. any that any pitfalls to avoid anything oh yeah 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 definitely many yeah well i, I was doing everything uh, by myself in the beginning mm. so for example i'm uh, the website i'm not really a website builder for example but i want to do it all myself um uh, study materials I made, which was all right. But yeah, let's say I was doing everything by myself. I made the logo myself, the website. Uh I was trying to do the ads, but I didn't know how to, how it worked, the ads. I just paid some stuff to go to Facebook and Google. You know, bullshit. Because I, I didn't know how it worked. So I would say for uh for new entrepreneurs, I would say I was ask people who know no more than you about a certain subject or a certain thing. Do you have and a try to outsource thing? Yeah. 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 And do do you have a coach or a mentor that works with you and helps you? Uh, not really coach or mentor. But I have some other friends who are entrepreneurs as well. Mm. And they helping me a lot. Yeah. For example, one friend is helping me with the ads. One uh, is helping me with the website. I have an accountant. Someone is helping me with the social media. Yeah, very changing, good. Uh, exchanging uh, different ideas. 
Okay. Um, no. So we know what not to do. So what you're saying is essentially delegate out what you're not an expert at. Don't take on everything yourself. That's really yeah. important, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, be prepared to involve other people. Um, mm -hmm. Anticipate bad months. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Don't get freaked out. Uh -huh. Um, and have a have a have a plan. Be disciplined in terms of your time. Mm -hmm. Right. Um. How did you? Did you? Uh. I mean, I suppose self discipline is something you either have or you don't, or you you can work on. Like, were you like making sure you were getting up at nine o'clock every morning and going to the to the desk um, and doing stuff? Like, how did you work on the self-discipline piece? No, I'm not really disciplined. So for me, it was uh, it was difficult. You know? mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was still even when I met you in the Faro these days. You know, it was uh, great weather. There were parties going on, etc. It's difficult to to, to start nine o'clock in the morning with these circumstances yeah. yeah but what i what i what i loved about the whole the language school and what you were doing um was that essentially you were designing you were designing your life okay um you were working when you wanted to work um doing something that you enjoyed creating and adding value in your own way and i think that's the opportunity for entrepreneurs right so when the problem many people have is the being a wage slave, being a job slave. You're you're essentially building somebody else's dream, right? Um, but mm -hmm. the, the, the joy of entrepreneurship is, in in its own small way, you're, you're building your own dream, and everything that you do is furthering furthering your dream. Um, okay, that's very interesting. Um, and then last question: Who has well two last questions? Is there a book that you would recommend? A business book or a motivational book or anything that springs to mind for somebody considering starting their own business or becoming an entrepreneur? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, definitely. The four-hour working week. The four-hour you know book? I've heard of it, yeah. <laughs> I've heard of it, but I haven't read it. The four-hour okay. working week. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Who's the writer? Um, Timothy Ferris, I think. Tim Ferris. He Tim has Ferris, a podcast. Actually. Yeah. Tim Ferris. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know him, right? Yeah. The four-hour working week. Um, and the last question then is, who's your inspiration? Who's inspired you? Yeah, Tim Ferris, maybe. Who? Tim Ferris. Tim Ferris. Very good. Okay. Right. So Tim Ferris wins. Okay, brilliant. Thank you very much. There's a lot of great hints, tips, interesting stuff there, and I think it'll be extremely valuable for people um, who are considering making the leap. Well done. Thank you very much. Great. Thank you very much. My pleasure. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Thank you, Connor. My pleasure. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.